1: Cliffhanger endings are an almost sure bet at bringing the audience back the following week. A strong enough cliffhanger will see them rewatch the first part of the story as well, but the perfect cliffhanger will see Riker give Worf the order to fire. When they work, they really work. Writing reasons are the most common reason behind them, but actor disputes and studio interference are surprisingly common reasons as well. With that in mind, I'm Sean Ferrick for Trek Culture, and here are 10 production secrets behind these Star Trek cliffhangers. 10. The Adversary. The adversary is a strong season finale even though it was a last-minute rewrite to close Deep Space Nine's third season. The Changeling that infiltrates the USS Defiant warns Odo that his people have already invaded the Alpha Quadrant and that no one knew a thing about it. It's a chilling moment in the show and a dark ending to the third season. The writers, though they hadn't planned on it, ended up crafting the perfect note to leave the audiences on. Paramount Pictures had nixed the idea of having Homefront and Paradise Lost being the bridge between the third and fourth seasons, though the idea of changelings on Earth is present in all three stories. It's touched on in Way of the Warrior, with Martok demanding blood screenings before his meeting with Sisko and Kira. There is also a hint of John Carpenter's The Thing on show, while the crew conduct their blood tests in the mess hall of the Defiant. The entire episode is a triumph, capturing the paranoia and tension that Homefront and Paradise lost unfortunately would fail to manage in the middle of the next season. 9. Equinox. Star Trek Voyager's fifth season ends on a dramatic note, with the USS Equinox stealing a modified shield emitter, leaving their sister ship vulnerable. Multiple fissures open, with an alien flying toward and attacking Captain Janeway. It was established that a single touch from one of these aliens could kill, so it doesn't look good for her going into the season break. Kate Mulgrew was struggling with renegotiations of her contract during the season. She had recently married and was seeking additional free time from the producers of the show. Though this was dissimilar to Terry Farrell's attempts to become a recurring star, it rang some of the same bells. At one point, highly frustrated, she announced to a room full of reporters that she hoped Janeway would exit the series in a coffin. If negotiations went south, Janeway would have been killed off in the show, with Chakotay taking over as captain for the remainder of the run. However, the producers capitulated to Mulgrew's demands, which saw Janeway shrug off the alien's killer touch in the opening moments of the sixth season. While this was simply due to her contract being secure, it also went a few steps toward making her character look even tougher on screen. Number 8. Space Nazis? When all else fails, vampire space Nazis should make for an interesting ending. The third season of Enterprise raised the overall quality of the show. The Zindi arc was a daring move by the producers. They introduced a season-long story, which was the first time that Star Trek had committed so many episodes to a single plot thread. The writing became darker and the stories overall became far more intriguing. When the final episode of season, Zero Hour, arrived, there was a problem. Although the show was getting better, the viewers were dropping off cancellation seemed imminent. This, Connor Trenere reflected on and the Season 4 DVD extras, led to the decision to introduce a very confusing ending to the episode. With the Zindi and the Sphere Builder threats taken care of, Enterprise returns to Earth to find that Starfleet is not responding to any of their hails. Tucker and Mayweather take a shuttle pod to the surface, only to be fired upon by old-style World War II-era aircraft. The scene then cuts to a hospital tent, where three Nazi officers look down at the burnt form of Captain Archer. Out of the dark, a vampiric face leans forward and the episode ends. Zero Hour makes zero sense on its own. Trenere believed that the ending was included as a warning to the studio. It was so unsatisfying that if the show was canceled, fans would blame them for such a wildly left of center plot to be abandoned. The show was renewed for a fourth and final season, one that saw this Nazi threat dealt with in the opening two-parter. Seven, the Hadar. The second season of Deep Space Nine featured the introduction of the Hadar the foot soldiers of the Dominion. The Vorta also make their debut in the form of Eris, though her abilities were not in line with what the species would become. The big shock of the episode was the rapid destruction of the USS Odyssey, the Galaxy-class ship was introduced for one reason. The writers needed the audience to understand the threat of the new villains in Star Trek. The design of the ship was so familiar thanks to the Enterprise-D. At one point, the episode was due to feature the Next Generation crew joining forces with the station to fend off the threat, though this was quickly dropped. Robert Hewitt-Wolf, a long-term writer on the series, believed that the name on the ship didn't matter. The visual shock of seeing the main ship of the next generation explode was enough to prove to the audience that the Dominion was just as scary as the Borg. The episode, after the crew returns to the Alpha Quadrant, closes on Sisko's pledge to be ready for the first battle with the Dominion. This was a mission statement and it had also been intended to close the first season of the show. 6. The Enterprise arrives. The first season of Discovery ended with the introduction of John Eve's beautiful redesign of the USS Enterprise. It swoops into shot and pauses directly ahead of the Crossfield class ship, taking up the entire screen, before the episode cuts to black and the original series theme plays over the end credits. It was enough to drive the fandom wild, celebrating the return of the legacy ship and wondering what on earth was actually happening. It was a carefully planned ending though, one that was effectively a way for the producers to guarantee that audiences would return for a second season. The story behind the first season of Discovery is still a little unclear. Brian Fuller was hired and fired before the show was released, with budget reasons being among several cited. Gretchen Berg and Aaron Harberts would later be fired during the second season. The look and design of the show left many audience members cold and the frequent downer episodes were described as not Star Trek. In what seems like a case of prophetic planning, the Enterprise had always been planned to arrive for the cliffhanger. This would lock interest while also teasing audiences as to Discovery's connection to the wider Trek universe. It was both a gamble and a failback. 5. Times Arrow. The end of The Next Generation's fifth season sees Data's severed head discovered in an old cave under San Francisco. This leads the Enterprise to the Davidian system, where Data is thrown back in time to the 19th century on Earth. By the episode's end, the rest of the senior staff go through a portal in an attempt to find him, which is where the story is put on hold. This was created as a way to remind audiences that the show was definitely coming back for another season. Deep Space Nine was about to launch, and a lot of media attention was focusing on that. Producers worried that The Next Generation would face a viewer drop-off if they didn't give the audience something solid to return for. The entire main cast were stranded in the past, with Data's head seemed to be a fixed point in history. Guinan compelled Picard to go along with the away mission or the consequences would be dire. Along the way, Samuel Clemens began to realise that something wasn't right with the pale-skinned man at the hotel. The cliffhanger was a triumph and the audience returned, joining the Enterprise for its final two seasons. 4. Homefront and Martial Law The grim ending of Homefront, showing Starfleet officers appearing fully armed on the streets of New Orleans, was a misdirect on the part of the producers. They wrote the first part of the episode to build up to an all-out assault on Earth, then revealed in the second part, Paradise Lost, that this was never coming. As an idea, the end of the episode works. However, this cliffhanger is a far cry from what it was supposed to be. Initially, it was designed to be the third season finale which we addressed earlier on the list. Toward the end of the third season, the producers changed their minds, pushing these episodes out. Then, between the end of season 3 and the beginning of season 4, the showrunners were instructed to do something big leading to the Way of the Warrior. This robbed Homefront and Paradise Lost of the budget required to execute this plan. Homefront ends with barely 6 or 7 officers standing on the street, instead of the dozens of soldiers that had been planned. Paradise Lost didn't fare much better, although the battle with the USS Lakota goes a long way toward raising the visual spectacle. Showrunner Ira Steven Bear lamented how this two-parter ended up, keeping a little post-it on his desk for years that simply read, Remember Homefront Paradise Lost. 3. Basics. The second season of Star Trek Voyager came to a close, with a crew marooned on a barren world by the Kazon and Seska, who stole the ship. While Basics would serve as the coda to the Kazon storyline and also become the last main appearance of Martha Hackett as Seska outside of the holodecker Time Vortexes, it was at its heart something much simpler. It was a dare by outgoing executive producer Michael Piller to himself. He wanted to see if he could one-up himself after creating the best of both worlds cliffhanger. The idea of having the crew at the mercy of this volcanic world was an instant draw for him, which led to the name of the episode. It was Voyager's people going back to basics, with no advanced technology to help them out. They're also left in a position where they have no hope of retaking the ship, which, for all they know, has flown away for good. The second part of the episode was a strong season opener, delivering on the premise arguably better than the second part of the best of both Worlds did. Voyager's third season saw an overall rise in the quality of the show. 2. Call to Arms. Deep Space Nine's fifth season ending was that fantastic shot of the joint Federation and Klingon fleets turning to attack the Dominion forces. The shot was incredibly popular with viewers, as it felt like a real rallying cry after the defeat of the station. The problem was that it was not exactly what was written. Iris Steven Bear wanted the last shot to be the Defiant and the Rataran joining the fleet and continuing on their journey. However, the effects house went rogue and had the fleet coming back toward the screen. This didn't match at all with the original opening of the sixth season, A Time to Stand. In a way, this wasn't meant to be a cliffhanger at all, at least not in the traditional part one, part two sense. This was supposed to leave the show open-ended as to what Cisco would do next. The shot seemed to lock the crew into a huge fight in the next episode. The writers came up with a solution. A Time to Stand opens with a pan through a battered and broken Federation Klingon fleet, suggesting that both forces had their assault crushed. While it was never the original intention, it did serve as a chilling opening to the sixth season. 1. Best of Both Worlds. Locutus of Borg came about from two different directions. First, the producers and writers knew that they were bringing the Borg into the next generation. Redemption had originally been slated as the end of the third season and beginning of the fourth, but Best of Both Worlds was pulled forward. A speaker for the Borg was required so that the crew had someone to interact with rather than the bodiless voice of the collective. The second reason for Locutus' creation was a directive from Paramount Pictures itself. Throughout the third season, negotiations between the company and Patrick Stewart had continued to the point where the studio worried that it may never be resolved, therefore an ending had to be written that would see Picard removed from the show. The closing moments of The Best of Both Worlds are frequently cited as some of the most tense in television history, along with being one of the greatest cliffhangers ever made. There was such a large degree of honesty in the actors' performances in that scene as none of them truly knew what the next season was going to be to bring to the show. Thankfully, though, Stewart signed on and Lacutus was saved from the collective in the second part of the story.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health